I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> there is something wonderful about watching someone change their mind. Don't all parents relish that moment their children realize that broccoli can be eaten without falling out of the chair at dinner time? Don't we all love it if a friend changes his mind to agree with us? And perhaps the most delightful way to enjoy a change of mind is while reading or watching a love story, or at least I think so. Isn't the most delicious plot the one where one character loathes another only to find that, surprise, this is the very person who will bring you ultimate happiness? The best of these is, to my mind, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, of course which traces the relationship between Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. Their relationship begins with immediate disdain as each complains about the other to his or her friends. Later, Mr. Darcy is mortified to find himself falling in love with Elizabeth, though his confessions met only with scorn. Thankfully and eventually all ends just as we wish with matrimonial success as Elizabeth overcomes her prejudices and realizes that Mr. Darcy is not as prideful as she first thought him to be. This plot arc repeats throughout literature and film, whether in Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing or in countless Hollywood rom-coms, recent movies like Silver Linings Playbook or classics like The Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan or one of the great musicals, The Sound of Music or My Fair Lady. There are even buddy movies where two guys start off hating one another and end friends. If you haven't seen it, Midnight Run with Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin cannot be beat. There is something about the overturning of expectations, the upsetting of prejudices, the possibility of a new way of seeing that thrills us, even though we've seen this particular narrative arc over and over and over again. We see it, too, in religion, of course. It's a theme of conversion stories. I was blind, but now I see, as the great hymn Amazing Grace tells us. And the classic conversion story is St. Paul's on the road to Damascus when the scales fell from his eyes and he went from persecuting Christians to being the greatest evangelist for Christ. I was blind, but now I see. What I thought was true is false. Even our friend, John the Baptist experiences this kind of new vision, this change of mind when he meets Jesus at the Jordan River. 
John the Baptist has been preparing the way of the Messiah, warning people that they must change their lives and hearts and receive a baptism for repentance. He teaches that the Messiah will come to judge, separating the wheat from the chaff, cutting down any tree that does not bear good fruit. John is in the middle of baptizing all those who had streamed out to the river Jordan to prepare themselves for this coming Messiah when Jesus arrives to be baptized as well. This clearly does not square with John's notions about the Messiah. This is not a fierce judge come to separate the sinners from the righteous. Instead, This is a man humbling himself to partake in the same baptism as everyone else. The one about whom John has said he is not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals has come to allow John to lead him into the Jordan River, to allow him to place his hands on his back and his head as he leans him back into the water, plunging him under as a sign of changed life. This does not fit anything John thinks he knows about the Messiah. It doesn't match what he's been preaching about the Messiah, so John protests, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Suddenly, John the Baptist has to see anew. Scales have to fall from his eyes. He thought he knew who Jesus was. He devoted his life to preaching about his coming, and then he finds he must change his mind. In this season of Epiphany, which is all about revealing who Jesus the Messiah is, we find John the Baptist learning that he has to revise his expectations. He's gotten it wrong. When the Messiah comes, he doesn't judge us. Instead, he joins us. Jesus joins us in a baptism of repentance that he surely didn't need, but in doing so, Jesus reveals that he will enter fully into the mess and the muck, the disorder and the sinfulness of our human lives. He does not despise us in our sinfulness. He does not hold himself separate from us. Jesus tells John that he must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And another way to understand that is to say something like this. God has been working for generations to put things right, and that is all going to come to fulfillment right now in this moment in my baptism. For in that moment, Jesus, in his first public moment as an adult, is making clear that God does not despise us in our sinfulness, but is finding another way to overcome our sin, which is by taking it on, which is by joining us. This is all confirmed, of course, by the arrival of the Holy Spirit and God speaking from the heavens. This is my son, beloved, chosen, who pleases me. Yes, this is the Messiah, but he's not what people, not what John the Baptist 
expected. And isn't that a wonderful overturning? Expect a warrior come to defeat enemies. Instead, get a peasant walking down the path. Expect a judge who separates us into two bins, wheat, chaff. Instead, get a man who doesn't divide but unites us by joining us. Expect someone mighty whose sandals we are not worthy to touch and instead get a servant who kneels down to wash our feet. Isn't that just a kick in the pants? <laughs> Imagine how John the Baptist must have been reeling at that moment, trying to get his head around it all. And if we're honest, don't we struggle with it a little bit too? If I'm honest, I still imagine God is the one who is there to judge. I'm ashamed of some of the things I think or say or do when I imagine God seeing them too. I routinely think about who's good and who's bad, who's in, who's out. I might be a little judgmental. But here, Jesus surprises us, surprises John the Baptist by joining the mess. Here, Jesus surprises and saves, saves us by joining us in that mess. And what does that mean? What does it mean for us? If Jesus loves us so much that he joins us to save us, well then I think it means, I think it means we're free. We're free. We are free from our old ideas about God. We are free to show our messy, chaotic, joyful, awful, wonderful lives. We are free, free in our anxious, our stressed, our worrying, our small, our mean, our angry, our prejudiced thoughts. We are free to show our whole darn selves to God without fear. For we see that Jesus has come to save us by joining us rather than judging us. Now does this mean that sinfulness should continue unabated? By no means. But clearly Jesus the judge is the one who came not to condemn but to transform. And if that's true, if that's all true, if the great surprise is that John and we need to see Jesus anew to change our minds about who he is and how he acts, well, that means, it must means, that we are free. Free not just from fear for ourselves, but free to enter in to the mess and the muck of one another's lives that we are free to act as the saints throughout history have without fear of what others think, fear of judgment from the world, for we have been freed by Christ. So then we can be like 
one of my favorite priests, Greg Boyle, who hangs out with gangbangers, started Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles so they have a place to work. He loves them rather than judges them. He is messily involved rather than standing on the sidelines offering advice. We can see that freedom in Pope Francis who consistently visits with those whose society would condemn or keep out. Prisoners and Muslim immigrants, the homeless, the seriously ill or disabled. For if you believe that the Lord sees you for who you really are and still wants to hang out with you, still wants to take on all that you are, well then, you're free to do the same. We're free to do the same. There's something wonderful about watching someone change their mind. John the Baptist had to change his. Even better is watching someone change his or her life, which we are called to do too, because we are free. Free to love, free to get involved deeply in the mess of one another's lives, because first, First, Christ did so for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.